I'm excited this morning because my best buddy, Brian Larson, is going to be bringing the word today. Now, if you don't know Brian and Ashley, you need to get to know them. Uh, they've been friends of ours for a long, long time. Uh, I knew, I've known Brian for maybe 20 years, right, Brian? Probably, probably 20, 18 to 20 years, and he is, he's truly my best friend, and I'm honored. And they, they used to be in Memphis, pastors there in Memphis, and now they have relocated. They're in Nashville, Tennessee, and they travel all around the nation helping churches do what God's called them to do and helping pastors. They love the local church. You'll never meet two people that love people more and love the local church more and love God more than these two folks. And y'all, I've already heard it one time, and I'm excited about a second time. Uh, I want you to get on the edge of your seat. Now, I'm telling you, 9 a.m., they amen a little bit. See, Brian lived, Brian's from Mississippi, and he lived in Memphis, so he's used to a little bit of that banner back and forth. So y'all can okay with a little amen and all right? Look, you're going you're, you're, you're to get excited. God's going to open your eyes. You're going to laugh, and you're going to learn a lot. Would you just give a great big welcome to Brian Larson? Oh, yeah. Let's go right in that chorus right there, that chorus. Oh. Yeah. I'm a John Ragsdale. Yeah. Oh. Oh, praise the Lord. Let us pray. Thank you for that, uh, Brother Johnson there. Thank you. All right, all right. Man, that was awesome. I kind of did want to sing, though. That's awesome. Hey, 18 years of friendship. I'm serious. This is no joke. John Ragsdale, man, he can, he can blow Man, he can still sing. I, I was thinking about this. I texted him late last night. I just said, tell me what song you're singing. And he, and he told me, and I said, he said, why? I said, because I sound better when you sing. I just want to get the words down, you know? Man. And, uh, oh, man, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I hope you are, too. This is a great day. Well, I, I think personally any day is a good day to be in God's house. I mean, never know what's going to happen. You position yourself uh, for great things to happen when you get in God's house. Uh, my, we used to have a saying growing up. Uh, in Mississippi, they, for people who were negative, they'd say stuff like, well, when my, when my boat comes in, I'd be at the airport knowing my luck. What? <laughs> well, the good thing is, if God's going to do something, if you're wanting something great from God, you're in a good place, right? If he's going to do something wonderful, he's going to do it right here at, in his house. And so I'm excited to be with you. It's Palm Sunday, as Pastor John said a moment ago. And uh, we're just excited, Easter season. And uh, I just want to take a moment and say, you know, uh, John mentioned that we'd been friends uh, for so many years. And I want to tell you, you know, uh, this the Hills is an amazing church. I'm so excited as a friend and a member of the Hills uh, to see what God's doing here. My wife and I were in Chicago last week, and uh, we get to travel uh, a lot of America. And I want to tell you, we have a great church here in Nashville. I want you to know that. And we are so blessed. Okay, well, okay, this isn't a golf game. You can clap loud and scream. This isn't golf. Hey, thank you. I'm going to maybe get the band back up here. Where'd they go? But uh, don't, don't leave us now. You've been doing good all day. But I want to say this. You know, I'm so thankful for our pastors. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of Johns in my phone. In fact, when I type in John in my contacts, I have to scroll a couple times to get through the Johns. And um, I want to tell you, but there is only one Pastor John uh, in, in my phone, uh, and that's John Rags. There's only one Pastor Kristen in my phone. I want to encourage you to 
with me uh, and you to, to make sure we honor our pastors. There's no one in this world who will pray for us, believe for us, uh, encourage us like our pastors. And I just want you to help me uh, honor our pastors right now. Can we do that? We love you, Pastor John and Pastor Kristen. We love you. Yep, yep. One and only. Get up on your feet. Okay, okay, okay. That's awesome. Now take up an offering, another offering. Hey, <laughs> hey they just came back from the beach. He, when he has to say Palm Sunday to him, he's, he goes back, you know. It's spring break time. Oh, man, we're glad, we're glad uh, that it is the Easter season. And uh, as, as we've, you've already heard, Palm Sunday is such a special day in the Easter season. And, and I know if you, like me, you, uh, you probably have eaten already a couple uh, Reese's eggs, a little Easter eggs. Come on. Thank God for that bunny. <laughs> Those are the best eggs, man. Those are good. And uh, we're so thankful for that. Praise God. But a uh, bunch of pagans. But uh, anyway, Easter really is about more than the eggs. And it's, really, it's about uh, what this represents to our faith and in Jesus' life. And uh, I tell you, it's, it's an exciting time. Uh, this Sunday is because of what it represents. It was the first day of the last week of Jesus' life. He started, we just heard about the passion that's going to be uh, airing on television. Well, this is Passion Week. This is the beginning of that week. And it was a significant day because it was the first day that Jesus publicly allowed himself to be, to be praised and recognized as the Messiah. He's coming into Jerusalem on that white donkey, and uh, he has got a crowd. In fact, just a couple days before, he had raised Lazarus from the dead. How many know that, grow, that draw a crowd right there? You did what? Let's go check this out. And so some of the folks had been around him, and had been, uh, at the, he'd been at Lazarus' house, and they'd been hanging out. And, and so he gets up on this Sunday. They're heading into Jerusalem. And as they're coming down the, the hill and looking into the city there, the, the, God's word, he says, that, that they began to worship him, scream, Hosanna. You heard it a moment ago in Matthew. In fact, all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all record this moment, how they began to sing, and they sang praises to him. They waved the palm branches. Uh, in fact, they were lining the road with palm branches and where we get Palm Sunday. And the palm represented victory and success, and they were honoring him as the, key, the king, their deliverer, and saying, now we have victory. Our Messiah is here. They were lining the streets with their coats, as you heard in, in the scripture. And it's, and it's significant because they were, it was part of the honor they were giving him. All kings would enter into uh, any environment on rugs and nice carpets to, to signify their dignity, uh, the, the dignitaries in the, in the Jewish culture. And so it was a big day. This was Jesus' moment where they were screaming, the Messiah, the son of David, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were worshiping and singing. And all four of the Gospels document that. But there was something in Luke that he said. There was an instance where he recorded something that Jesus said. And we're in the series called Red. And we're talking about the words of Jesus. And there was something that he said in that moment that stuck out to me reading that story fresh this year. And I want to share that with you. Let's look together in, at Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. And so we've just set up the story where people are worshiping and praising him and they're, they're singing to, to Jesus. And, and then in verse 39, this happens. This is where Luke distinguishes his writings from the others. He says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, there were two Pharisee men. They said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. 
In other words, they were saying, hey, look, tell them to quiet down, to keep it down. And, I, and Jesus said, I'll tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Jesus said, look, you don't get it. It's not just about, it's just not about what they're singing to me. If they're not doing it, somebody else is going to do it. You don't know. It's the time has come. The Messiah is here. And so then, the, then Luke goes on to read, uh, right, he says, as he approached Jerusalem, Jesus, he saw the city and he wept over it and he said this, if you, even you, had only known, if you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, man, But now it is hidden from your eyes. Verse 43, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you on the ground, to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because, here's the because. Man, this is Jesus. He's weeping because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. The word weep in the Hebrew there was not a silent cry, a controlled cry. The word weep there in the Hebrew describes a a sobbing, a breakdown cry, a shaking, crying aloud kind of cry. In the moment of Jesus' greatest time in his ministry, the celebration was on. The worship had begun. The declarations of the Messiah had begun. Jesus found himself looking at Jerusalem, and he began to weep. Aloud, he began to cry, not because of those who were around him, the worship going on, not because of those who knew him, but because those who did not know him. Not because of the fact that they saw him finally as their Messiah, but because of those who did not see him as their Messiah. I pray today that we can see him in a new way before we leave here in just a few minutes. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for your word and that it does not return void. God, I pray. If you spoke this to, as you spoke it to my heart, you'll speak it to everyone that hears it today. Lord, divide it, multiply it into our lives. Touch us and change us. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I found it so significant when I read that, that Jesus would have this amazing moment, this monumental time in, in his ministry, if you will, where he finally got the recognition he really did deserve. He'd kind of stayed low under the radar. He would, he would try to do what he was here to do, and, and he would try not to draw attention to himself. In fact, there were many times, many of these festivals he'd come to, and they didn't even know he was there because he would stay in the crowds. He would kind of blend in. But this day was different than any other day. This, was, this Palm Sunday, he came in distinguished amongst the crowd. He came in as the king, the Messiah, the one they had been waiting for the one they had been talking about, the one they had been looking for, it was him. And in the midst of this amazing moment, his heart was turned to compassion because he didn't didn't really want the praise. He wanted them to know him personally. He wanted them to know he wept because he looked at a city who did not know him, that did not recognize him in their life, what he could be for their life. Man, I want to tell you, there's nothing like and I'll even say this, uh, there, was a, there was a gentleman in Memphis that I used to have lunch with all the time. And uh, we would go to, to barbecue, barbecue uh, at least once or twice a month. Thank God for barbecue. <sighs> mm. Keep your mind on the Lord, Brian. I was drifting a little bit. Something spiritual about a rib. I, it was, hey, in the garden, he took a rib. He made a... Ah, 
I just felt my helper come on me. Um, okay. Reel them back in. Reel them back in. Come on in. So I knew this guy, and we would go to lunch all the time, and we would eat barbecue. And, and I remember one day, I was thinking about this guy, uh, this, our, our lunch coming up, and I, I, I remember getting my day going. I was at my house, and I thought, man, I love this guy. I was talking about how much I love him and how, you know, he's a cool guy. He's an older guy, had a slick back white hair and white mustache. He's just a good guy, a little gra- deep growly voice. Right, what are you doing there? How are you doing? And, and I said, like, man, I love him. And so we'd go to lunch, and, and we would we'd just talk about life and, and church stuff. And, uh, and then what, I remember that day, I was like, man, you know what? I've never asked him really enough questions. I don't really know what he did. I don't know everything about him. I don't really know him. I've enjoyed it. I know, a lot, I know some things about him, but I don't feel like I really know him. And I made up my mind that morning, when I leave lunch today, I'm going to know this rascal. I'm going to find out what it is. And I literally said this. I said, there's something in him that can help me. I'm sure of it. If nothing else, he's, he's made it this long in life. He's learned something I need to know. And I remember that day, getting in that, getting that lunch and asking him the questions and getting to find out. And I realized... Oh my gosh, I, had this, I mean, he, he changed how I lead some things in my life. I was a pastor over uh, a lot of people, and, and I had, we had leadership team stuff around us, and, I, and he totally changed two things, how I told, approached leadership, and it was amazing. And I thought to myself, how many hours have I wasted around this guy and had never seen him in this capacity, had never let him speak into my life, never let him change my leadership? And I want to tell you, that's what Jesus was weeping about. How many times that he rubbed shoulders with these people? How many times that he'd been around them and they had never seen him for who he really was? He was the change that they wanted. He was the change that they needed. And they could not recognize it in him. That's why he was weeping. He knew that they had not opened their hearts to what he could be in their life. Man, he had not opened their hearts to who he could be in their life. And, and I think there's even a, a, a sort of a, a culmination of, of many moments in Jesus' life where he realized, you know what, why haven't they ever gotten it? Why haven't they, why don't they see this in me? He was continually having to, to convince people who he was. They were always trying to pin, pigeonhole him into like, oh, he, he's the, oh, that's the carpenter. Yeah, he, he's the carpenter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's Mary and Joseph's son. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, we know, we, we know him. Yeah, yeah, we know him. And it, was, and it didn't help any that in this moment where he was finally getting this recognition as the Messiah that these two self-righteous rascals would come up next to him and say, hey, wait a minute, teacher man, calm him down a little bit. Well, they basically showed their cards right there by calling him teacher because they only saw him as a teacher. They, even in the midst of the declarations of him being Messiah, they could not acknowledge, they couldn't see him as the Messiah, and they knew, the, they knew the, 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 the traditions and the written law. They knew those things, but they could not see him bigger than that. And Jesus' and Jesus's frustration, it's almost kind of like, that's why that cry out, the stones cry out moment, he's like, look, don't you get it? They said, he said, they said stop making them this sing and worship. He said, listen, you, you don't understand, I'm the Messiah. This, I'm the fulfillment. And if they don't do it, the rocks are going to cry out and do it. And so immediately their, their mind is, 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 I said a moment ago, they show their cards because they, we realized that they had Jesus in this box. 
they had been, they could only see Jesus in this one dimension. They couldn't allow him to be bigger than that box. They only knew about him. They didn't really know him. They knew a d- dimension of him. Oh, yeah, he's a good teacher. Yeah, yeah. In fact, if you study that, you would, you would know that those guys had been with him for a, long, a little while. They had seen him do some miracles. They'd heard his teachings. But they still couldn't allow him to be that in, the, in their life. I want to tell you today that my hope and my desire is that you would not just know about Jesus, that you would truly know him, that you would know the fullness of who he is to your life, that he can truly be your miracle if you let him. He can truly be a healing in your life if you'll recognize that he's the healer. He can be freedom to, your, to, to anything that's kept you bound if you'll see him as the one who gives freedom. You've got to see him as that. And in this, again, in this moment, we can, listen, we come to church every week and we, do, we have worship and we sing great songs today. And it'd be very easy for us just to, to say, yeah, we know Jesus. Because we've sang about him, we've heard a message about him today, and we leave here and someone asks you, hey, do you know Jesus? I know all about him. Tell you a lot about him. But I want to ask you today, do you really know Jesus? Do you know him personally in your life? Do you know something about him that's changed you? Do you know something about him that, you, that, that he's, let me say it like this, has he done something for you you couldn't do on your own? That's what it means to know Jesus. And so Jesus was in this struggle even with those Pharisees saying, listen, you don't get it. He had his, even those closest to him, his disciples. I love this story when, uh, it's, I'll give you a little scripture reference, Mark 8, Okay. I just like to talk and tell stories, you know. Sometimes I make them up, so I'll let you know this one's in the Bible, all right? So Mark chapter 8, he's kind of rolling with his, with his boys down the road, his disciples, and he just finished teaching, and, and all of a sudden he says, he tells them, he says, all right, I got a question. Yeah, 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 yeah okay, we're ready. Uh, who do people say I am? And he's, they, they start speaking up one at a time. Oh, 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 well, some say you're, you're, you're John the Baptist. Oh, John the Baptist, wow, that's how they see me, huh? John the Baptist. You know, he was that burly, stinky wood man, you know what I'm saying, in a wilderness man. They see me that way. Oh, well, interesting. Oh, hey, and some say you're Elijah. Elijah, they say I'm a, they, that's how they see me, Elijah, wow, interesting. They don't really know me, do they? And then another one says, oh, hey, some of them say you're just one of the prophets. Mm, I'm just a prophet, wow. Man, that's interesting. That's how they see me. Okay. And then Jesus gets to the real meat of the matter. What's most important to him? He's not worried about what they say. You know, they will, they will say a lot of stuff. And then he gets down to the meat of the matter. And in verse 29, he says this. He said, okay, here's the real question. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? That's, where it really, that's what really matters. And I want to ask you today. Who is he to you? Who is he to you? Not, not what Pastor John has told you, which he tells you a lot of true things. It's not about what you've read online. It's not about, I'm talking about who is he to you? Your Sunday school teacher, your parents. I'm telling you today you need to leave here to say, I know who he is to me. I know him. And I want to tell you, in this moment, as he talked to his disciples, I can imagine Jesus have a little nervous edge like, well, what about you? Like, who do you say that I am? Like, if they would have said John the Baptist, this would have been a different story, I'm sure. But they said, Peter spoke up, said, I'll speak for everybody. You're the Messiah. Close call. 
And in that moment, Jesus realized, okay, great. They get it. They understand. And then he tells them this. He says, listen, don't, in the next verse, he said, verse 30, he said, he warned them, look, don't tell anybody about this. Why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus do that? Because he wanted, he wanted everyone to get their own personal revelation of who he is to them. He wanted them to see it for themselves. I want to be their Messiah because they want me to be their Messiah. I want to be their Savior because they see me as their Savior. I want, them to, I want to be their healer because they see me as their healer. I want to be their peace because they see me as their peace. Not because you have to convince them. Not because you have to, to, to trick them or manipulate them into I want them to see me this way. And Jesus wept on Palm Sunday looking at a city full of people that he loved. And he wanted them to see him this way. He wanted to be that answer for them. He wanted to be that solution. He knew if they could only see him in that capacity, if they could only change their perspective and and, and put on a different, have a different paradigm of what he could be for them, everything would change in their life. Everything would change in their life. Let me tell you another cool story. In, in a John 4, where Jesus and his disciples are rolling up to a, a town called Samaria, they, Jesus says, look, I'm going to hang here at the well a little while. And they said, well, great, we're going to go get some food. We'll be back in a minute. And so he says, all right, holla at your boy. I'm here. And so he he get, he's kind of chilling, and a little lady walks up, and, and she says, uh, hey, uh, excuse me, you know, getting a little water. And Jesus says, hey, could I get a drink from you? And she says, uh, well, don't you know you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman? That just doesn't, that doesn't work that way. You don't, we don't intermingle. We don't do this. This is not right. And he says, and this is a great, this is a great verse. In verse 10, John 4, 10, Jesus answered to her and said, look, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink. He said, look, if you only knew, you think you know, but you don't know. You just put me in a box. You just called me this Jewish guy. You just called me this Sunday thing that happens. You just called me this line in a song. If you only knew the gift of God that's sitting in front of you, if you only knew what was available to you, if you only had an ink, if you could get past your paradigm, if you could... Get those lenses and put a different view on and see me as the gift of God. You would be asking me for a drink. And I would be giving you living water. Well, she does what the rest of us would do. What? Boy, you crazy. Living water and well and stuff. Well, look, she was trying to rationalize it. She was trying to figure it all out. Like, wait, how is this, how is this supposed to work? What do you mean this living? In fact, she started quoting to him. You can read it for yourself on your own time. He said, she, he said well, well, look, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a drink of water that you'll, and you'll never thirst again. And she's like, well, what do you mean? This is the well that Jacob gave us. You're saying you're better than Jacob? And what about a living well, what, living water? What is that? Like, you don't even, she even said this, you don't even have a rope or bucket. How are you going to give me a drink? Practically, she couldn't figure out, like, what do you mean? And I want to tell you, sometimes you'll hear these little thoughts in a service or, or you'll be reading God's word and it says, hey, I can set you free from this. And you're like, what sets it free? It's been 10 years or 25 years and I don't, I don't have a bucket or a rope and how are you going to do this? And he's like, look, well, you, you just got to see me first. You got to trust me in this. Man. He says, hey, I can, rest- I can make all things new, but you hadn't been in my house, God. Oh, no, 
no, you hadn't seen this. And you begin to rationalize and you try to figure it all out. And, and we intellectually, our minds start spinning and we're like, man, this, this is not adding up. And all of a sudden, we begin to limit how we see him. We begin to confine him, confine him to our own mind. Our, and I'll even say it better like this. We confine him to our own understanding. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it can't happen. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean he can't be that for you. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus. I probably shouldn't have said Pharisee. I'm just throwing out words for you. But anyway, another guy. He approached Jesus in the night once and he said, Look, we've been following you. We've been tracking what's going on. Man, I'm pretty sure you're at least you're sent from God because of what's going on. And Jesus says, well, listen, I'll go ahead and tell you, if you're going to be a part of the kingdom of God, you're going to have to be born again. What? Like, imagine somebody, you know, like, we have the Bible, we have this concept, a little bit of what, what that means, and, but, and, and maybe you don't. But Nicodemus looked at him and said, well, what, what do you mean? Like, I'm an old man. You want me to go get back in my mother's womb and be born again? Oh, brother, here we go again. Jesus says, oh, listen, you don't get it. You're trying to figure it out in your own mind. You're trying to, you're trying to make things add up and make this a round uh, peg in a square hole or whatever that is, you know, square peg in a round hole. It's not fitting, right? And he said, listen, he begins to teach Nicodemus. He said, look, this is not natural law I'm talking about. This is spiritual things. He begins to teach him what it means to be born again. And all of a sudden, the light comes on for for Nicodemus. He gets beyond his limitations. He gets beyond his own understanding, and he... He, all of a sudden, he gets it. I want to tell you today, I want to encourage you today. Do whatever you've got to do to get it today. Get it what he can be for you. Get it for what he wants to have for your life. And so we go back to this well, and he's talking to, to, to this Samaritan woman, and she's asking these questions. I don't get it. What do you mean? A water and living water. And he says to her, look, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about a glass of water. I'm talking about putting the water in you, the well in you. In verse 14, he says, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again, will never be thirsty again. Jesus says, look, I don't want to take you to a river to quench your thirst. I want to put the river in you. This isn't isn't about a parched mouth. This is about a parched soul. This is about a longing in your your soul to be fulfilled and for a completion in your life, I can be that for you. And all of a sudden, she takes a step closer to her personal revelation of who he, who he is to her. And all of a sudden, she realizes, so wait, wait you're, so you're not just a Jewish man, but are, are you just a prophet? Like, what you're saying is a little bit more than the average, the average bear. It's like, I'm trying to get this. I'm trying to lock in. And, and she, he begins to describe, he's like, she's like, well, how do I even worship? And he begins to walk through this, this, this experience about who, how God is looking for those who worship her. And then, and then, then this, she has this moment, this revelation moment. Oh, my gosh. This is who I've been looking for. This is who we've talked about. He's the Messiah. And about that time, she gets excited, and the disciples roll up. Hey, got them nuggets. Remember, all this is going on. They've been in town. They've been waiting in the drive-thru. You know what I'm saying? They're like, whoo, I hope he likes cold nuggets. You know what I'm saying? He, they roll up, and they're like, hey, uh. What's going on? They see the lady talking to you. Everything good? Do we need, you know, security? Do we need to step in or what? 
And she takes off running back into town, and Jesus says, look, I had meat to eat you know not of. I had an encounter. Someone saw me. Someone recognized me. Someone had a personal revelation of who I am in their life. And she didn't just come back by herself. She came back. She brought the whole town with her. And over the next two days, they got to know him. They got to see him in action. They, be, they got close to Jesus, so much so that it changed their life. And in fact, verse 42, I love this verse. I, I kind of laughed when I read it because it, it was just, it's the epitome of what we're talking about. In verse 42, it said, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Listen, we've heard talking about Jesus. We've heard messages and songs and we've seen things on television. I even watched the movie, The Passion of the Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know about him, but I know what you've said about him. But for the first time, now we've heard for ourselves. And we know that this man truly is the Savior of the world. They could believe for themselves for him in their life. I want to tell you, when you truly know him, it's not just about you. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. Knowing him is about allowing others to know him. When you truly know him, you want others to see him. You want others to know him. You want others to recognize him. You want them to experience the joy you've experienced. You want the comfort that you feel, the security, the confidence. You can have that in him too. She goes back and tells the whole city and starts a revival in the city. A city was changed because of one personal revelation of some of someone saying, okay, I see him now. I recognize it, who he is to me. I want to tell you, we don't have Sunday mornings just for good church, and we have good church. That's a good amen moment right there. Amen, 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 praise God. We have good church at the hills. I want to tell you, we have good singing, good preaching. No G on that, preaching. And and, and we do that all not just so that we could come together and, and clap and sing, but we do that to know him better. We do that so that this right here every week so that those who don't know him can know him. Those who don't have not, they've seen something about our life or they've felt something when, that, when they've turned on a Christian song and they don't recognize, they, 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 they know there's something different. Well, this moment is about getting them in the presence of God so that they can feel and experience something they've never felt. One of the, one of the worst things that we could do is think that we're wasting money on printing little, pretty little cards. They are pretty. But those aren't, we don't need something else to do. I want to tell you, our to-do list is pretty long. But we do that because we want others to know what we know about Jesus. We want them to see him for themselves. Listen, I want to tell you, there are people that need to see Jesus in our world. There are people who need to know what he can provide. They need to experience his peace. They need to experience his love and his kindness. And they may only know it if we let them know. That it's available. That's why we throw out a stat. 80% of people will come. Listen, it's not for us pastors to say, oh, this is cool. Maybe we'll get them to, we'll trick them into inviting someone. No, we, we understand the significance of one moment. One sit down at the well and you, you think you're coming for, for a friend and you think you're coming for a drink of water and then all of a sudden you leave with the well inside of you and you got a new perspective on life and you have hope again and you understand that, hey, I'm going to be all right and all things work together for good and, and greater is he is in me than anything that would come against me and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You don't know that unless you know it. We used to do premarital counseling on a regular weekly basis and we used to tell people, look, sometimes you just don't know what you don't know, so listen up. 
And that's what these moments are about. They don't know what they don't know. That's why it's significant for us to make sure we're giving him away. That we're giving him away. That people can see him in us. They can see him on Sunday mornings and we're providing that place for him to do just that, change their life. So I, I want to conclude today. I, I, I want to finish up here in the, in the next couple of minutes. And I want to give you the opportunity to see him differently than you've ever seen him. I want to give you the opportunity to let him change something in your life. I want to give you the opportunity to recognize something in him that you need in you. I want you to know him in a different way because to truly know him is to be changed by him. I believe that with all my heart. If you know him, you will be changed by him. Everything that you do, everything that you learn from him can change something in you. And I know I'm standing before men and women, young and old, that that have needs in their life. You've had, there are scenarios and situations that you've tried to work out on your own. You've tried to figure out, okay, if I only had a bucket and a rope and intellectually you're trying to figure this out, if I could just put all these pieces together, it's going to be, I could be all right. Well, I want to tell you there's not enough pieces for your puzzle for you to put it all back together. He is the piece that you're missing. He wept and said, if they, only know, if they had only known I'm what they're looking for. They're, go, they're going to go through a season of destruction. They're going to go through a season that they don't probably do not want because they wouldn't recognize that I was right here amongst them. I want to give you that chance today to recognize something in him, to do something in you. Amen. I want the band to come. We're going to have a, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment, but I, I'm asking you, what is it? What is it in your life? Maybe, maybe there's something you're going through. Maybe there's something you're believing for. And you need what only God can give you. You need what only God can give you. These are band members. They're going to come. Come on up here swiftly, guys. You guys got the attention. You ready? Come on up here. Good-looking bunch of crew, most of you. Praise the Lord. But here, 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 here's a moment for you. Here's a moment for your life where you have the opportunity to access what you need. And, I, I, I'm not, and I'm taking a moment here only because I know God wants this for you. He wept because he wanted something for them that they couldn't give themselves. Some of you have been praying and you've been fasting. You've been seeking counsel. You needed help in an area. I want to tell you today, I, I believe God's got, a, got this word for you today to let you see him as that that you need. There are things that he's going to do for you in this moment that you couldn't do on your own, that none of us could do, no program could do, no five steps, ten steps, twenty steps. It's going to take one step. That's calling on the name of Jesus. That's giving him access to you. Listen, he's such a gentleman. He's not going to kick his way into your, into your heart, to your life. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, recognize it. Acknowledge, listen, just see it. He's standing at the door of your life. He's want, he, wants to, he wants to do that for you. He wants to be that. I'm, I'm trying to be vague here. 
But you've got that, you feel that blank in for your life right now. You know what it is. Or you wouldn't have been hearing this message today. You know what it is. He's ready to be that for you. I want you, I'm going to give you about five seconds. I want you to, to, to pinpoint it. What is it right now you need him to be? Not something you could do on your own. Not something someone else could fulfill for you. Now we're going to pray for it. Does anybody in here believe that he is the Messiah? That he is the healer? That he's the provider? That he's our peace? He's our comfort? Come on, you just, you just lift your hand when you hear the right word, right? That he's, he's our hope. He's our joy. He's the breakthrough that we need. He's the mender. He restores. He makes all things new. He is our, he is our comfort, God. Mm. Ah, yes. He is what you need. He's living water. He's, he's a fresh hope today. He's joy where, where things seem barren today. I want to pray for you right now. Now close your eyes and let's begin to pray. I want you to pray. I'm going to pray with you. I'm not praying for you. I'm going to pray with you. I want you to begin to pray to him right now. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for Jesus being the very present help, a very present help. Lord, we come to you right now with our hearts open. God, let us see you in this way like we've never seen you before. Father, we're tired. We're weary in doing it on our own. We're asking you right now to come be our courage. God, be our strength, Lord. Come right now. Lord, I pray as men and women open their hearts and begin to to talk to you about what's closest to to their heart. Lord, I pray, God, you'd start a changing in them. That, God, that there would be a restoring. There would be a mending, Lord. Lord, let this be the first day of many days of new personal revelation in our life. I pray that we would leave here, the, leave here changed, seeing you, knowing you. I want to encourage you. Some of you, this is a reach moment. As, you, as you're praying, listen, this is a reach moment. Recognize, if nothing else, recognize this is God's reach for your life right now. Recognize his reach. He's reaching for you. You've wondered if he's heard your prayer. You've wondered if he's seen where you are. Recognize him. Recognize him. He sees you just the way you are. And it's all right with him. Won't you come to him today? Won't you come to him today? With your heads bowed and eyes closed just for another couple moments, I'm going to give you the opportunity today to see him maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time as the redeemer he is, as the savior of our souls. The Bible says that God loved us so much that he did send Jesus, his only son. He sent his very best to live a sinless life and to die on a cross to take our sin, to take our shame, to take our past and take it to a grave with him that it would be buried. And then he rose again so that we could have new life. I want to tell you today, God wants to give you that new life. He wants to make all things new. He wants to wipe away the past and give you a new beginning. But you got to see him as your savior. You got to acknowledge him as your Savior. And the Bible says this simply, that if we believe in our hearts that He is the Messiah, that He is our Savior, and we confess that with our mouth, we can be saved. We can be rescued right here on a Sunday morning. 